Episode 77, The Rant. Nyreve George, multi-sport official, single-minded purpose in making refereeing work for him. Nyreve and I go back to my CYO days in basketball. I saw him here and there, but we just started having conversation longer than this blurb. In this pod, we discuss his start in officiating, how he balances assigning, as well as being a great official outside of basketball. All that and more, my conversation with Nyreef, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life, and with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah. Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref, with a special guest, uh, elite basketball official, New York City, Long Island extraordinaire, signer, basketball referee. What else do you ref? Volleyball, lacrosse, softball, baseball. About to do soccer. <laughs> Nyreef George, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Okay, so if if my memory serves me correctly, I think we met 2014, 2015, maybe at a CYO gym. I vaguely kind of remember maybe it was like St. Agnes. And I just remember um, it was like a couple of my first games. I felt like I was getting good. And you remember that in the beginning when you're still doing CYO and you're feeling real good. You still have yet to be exposed to AAU uh, high school games. So that's where I was. And I just remember how you were just completely calm and in control. Um, and I, I think we uh, shit. Do you remember when we first met? No, nah, not at all. It's probably like 6,000 games ago for you. Yes. <laughs> Nonetheless, we're going to get into your whole come up. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. What were the sports that you played growing up? What was your relationship with sports? And what did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? I was always a basketball guy. I mean, I grew up with everybody playing basketball. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Jackson Heights, East Elmhurst, Corona. Um. I didn't really play basketball in junior high school or high school. I more or less was the street ball player. Um, from street ball led you into things like, hey, come try out, come play rec ball with us here. Hey, come do this. Then I get you onto the, the college circuit. Hey, my boy's assistant coach over here at 
BMCC or my boy's assistant coach at Bronx Community College or my friend is assistant coach at Sullivan. Why don't you come work out? We can get you in. And that's how it goes on from there. So, uh, you know, I grew up with Speedy Claxton, as you can see. You know, he's been my, my good friend for a long time. You know, we all played ball together. Him, Ron Artest, Antoine Dobie, you know, a few guys, Ronald Saab, Juan Carazari. So we all played in the neighborhood, and that led to other opportunities. So I had a guy, Leon, who was an assistant coach, him and his friend at Bronx College in the Bronx. They wanted me to come and play for their team. But by that time, I was already finishing my senior year in high school, and I was like, eh, I don't really know. So I didn't really do it. I ended up taking a job, Ray Rogers. Then I end up having a girlfriend, getting pregnant. So my life changed dramatically. Mm. Did you eat a lot of the Fixin' Bar? That was one of my favorite. I love the Fixin' Bar. <laughs> Fixin' Bar was great. I'm sad that the only Roy Rogers that exist are the ones that are like in the New Jersey uh, rest stops. And they're not the same quality. There used to be one on Hempstead Turnpike, which is McDonald's now. I think it's switched over 95. I used to always go there. Had the great white meat. I used to love Roy Rogers. Good food. Good food. <laughs> um so what was your relationship with officials while you were a player, especially like in the circuit of, you know, playing outdoor ball as well as in high school and in college? So growing up, when you was playing CYO and you was playing AAU and you was playing these balls, you didn't really have a type of a relationship with the official because the basketball was so organized. Like you were so coached and so focused so well. So everything was more running your plays more pass and cut and fade away, being in position that you were supposed to be in. So you didn't really have a relationship with the officials. You kind of let the officials do their job and you did your job. Your relationship came with the officials probably later on when you started playing in these unlimited tournaments where you felt like it was a foul and you didn't get the foul called. And you would ask him, hey, why you didn't give me that call? And he would give you an answer. And you were just like, all right. That's when your official relationship with the officials come later on. But growing up, you didn't really have too much of that. You was just really focused on the organized basketball of it and running plays. Mm. So a lot of people want to know, how did you get into officiating? When did you start? Started maybe maybe 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. How old were you at that time? Probably like 21, 2 or 3. Early in the game. Yeah, my guy Tiger, John, Johnny Carlson, uh, he had me as assistant coach for his CYO team, my blessed Sacrament in Jackson Heights. Um, he was refereeing, and he was like, Yo, you should try this. Um, he gave me an IABO shirt. He was giving me little pointers. So this was before you were even certified. Before Johnny was, was just like, throw certified. you in the fire. Like, yo, hey, you should think about refereeing. He gave me a shirt. You know, run me, show me plays, and then he used to make me ref during practice. Mm. So that helped me out a lot. And then he steered me in the direction of John Colson and Cornell Hampton. Mm. And then from there, uh, John was giving a class. He was teaching a class. And uh, he gave you the opportunity to work on your class. Mm. I mean, you'll probably hear John Colson's name a lot. People have a lot of good things, a lot of bad things to say. And that's just what it is. But... He give you the opportunity to work on your craft. And 
for me, it was never really about the money. So whether I got paid or not, it was just all about the opportunity to consistently work on my craft. So if he's giving you the opportunity to consistently work on your craft, that's where you should take advantage of it because the money will come later on down the line. And I'm realizing that now. Mm. That the money will come later on down the line. When John initially told you that you should get into it, were you kind of fighting it? Were you saying like, oh, I don't want to riff? That sounds kind of weird. Yeah, I said that. But at the same time, you know, this kind of like a, a big brother or a big mm-hmm. uncle that he's trying to steer you in the right direction. So you kind of like, nah, I'm resisting. I don't want to do it. But, you know, like, all right, well, he's saying doing it. Let me let me try. Let me see. I think what's interesting about just refereeing in general is that I've done, you know, hundreds of these podcasts and I've never heard one person say, you know, ever since I was five years old, I've been groomed to ref. It's always unbeknownst to them. Maybe somebody was missing in a gym. Maybe a, a godfather came up to you and said, maybe you should get into this. Why, why do you think that is? How come you don't think that, especially you, you have, you know, young kids and you also have kids that are coming of age now. Um, and they probably perceive refereeing differently because all their life they know that daddy is ref. And I'm just saying that I have a six-year-old and I always bring him around. And he's already thinking, like, I want a referee. And I don't know if I'm shortchanging him to pursue goals that he doesn't even know about, like playing basketball or, or playing soccer. Do you think that um, it's a little bit easier to digest if, you know, you're a, a parent that has a kid coming up? Or do you think that kind of dissuades them from refereeing? I think it's a little bit of both. But I also think about parenting. So how you parent and how you're raising your kids will transform into if this is the direction that he wants to go in or not. Or he may want to do a little bit of both. I may want to try it. I may want to please my dad. I may want to see. But they, when they're so young, they don't really know. Mm. So because they don't really know, they just, that's my dad, the referee. Mm. I'm going with my dad to the park. He's going to ref games. I'm going to play in the park. And then I'm going to sit and watch him. My dad is just refereeing games because that's what he'll know and that's what he'll remember. Mm-hmm. Until later on, when he gets of age, then he might be like, yo, hey, how did you get into refereeing? Or, hey, I'm thinking about maybe I should want to try and do mm-hmm. that. But that's how it is now, is that even with the older people, nobody really thought about refereeing until... They say, hey, what made you want to do this? Or, hey, how do I get into refereeing? Or, and then that's when the conversation starts. Mm. I want to go back to that first experience that you went refereeing. Did you find it difficult? Do you remember certain aspects of, of that particular event when you were refereeing in those practice games? And also, can you remember your first time and when you felt like really nervous and thinking like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought? Well, during practice with the kids, you're just running. So when you're playing basketball, you know what a foul is, you know what a double dribble is. So you're just trying to make the call. So practice was good for me because I was able to keep up with the pace of the kids. You know, I had Tiger be able to, to give me the pointers on where I need to be. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really until when I got with John where John would give you the mechanics part of it, telling you a fist is a foul, a hand up is a violation. You know, when he started putting those things into your game, it wasn't until when I was with John where he was able to 
position you better on your court, teach you the breakdown of what A, B, and C is when you're on the baseline. Mm -hmm. So John helped polish my game um, a lot more. But during that time, it was just run, identify what the foul is, blow your whistle. I think that's a good technique, though. Like, just going, yeah, you got to put your hand up when you do that instead of... uh, Because I feel as though when I learned, it was very black and white, meaning you really read the rule book from rule one to rule 10. And they say, you know, when you get in the jungle, this is what it's going to be like. You kind of learned in reverse. You went into the jungle and then they say, this is how you have to do things. You have to conduct business when this particular thing happens, as opposed to just going, you know, now I know the court is 94 feet. That doesn't help when you're in the jungle, right? So you think that that was an effective method of him putting you on the court without being certified so that way you feel what the fire's like and in turn not getting burned? Well, yes and no. I think it was good for me because that's something that I I, I wanted to do. But some people don't really want to do it. Some people don't know. Some people be too scared Mm -hmm. to want to step into that fire. So everyone's first game is going to be nervousness, a tremendous amount of nervousness. You probably want to blow your whistle on everything that you see. So I guess, yeah, it was it was good and bad. For me, it was good and bad. Mm. I think my my situation was a little unique than, than everyone else's because I came into this as what we call as a recreation official. Mm. So because I've been a recreation official for so long and for so many years, the thought of being certified and becoming certified didn't occur until years later. But with that, you realize you only got to be certified if you want to work these high school games. Mm-hmm. This is what your certification is all about. They don't. What they don't tell you is that you don't really need a certification to go to a next level camp to try out and to get picked up. Right. Your certification doesn't mean nothing for that. Mm-hmm. There's a few referees now refereeing D1 that ain't even certified. Mm. But this is the things that they don't teach you on the back end. So for me, I've been a rec league, a rec official for a long, long time. And this is what everyone in the street knows about me. Probably one of the best recreational officials Mm. out there. Mm. So discuss when you started taking it super serious, where you started saying, you know what, maybe I do want a little piece of that high school action. So you got certified. And where did you get certified? I got certified first doing girls when my flexibility at the job will allow me to be able to work these PSAL games. So you got certified in New York City. I got certified in New York City. Which is, just for everyone that doesn't know, it's one board for all five boroughs, correct? One board for all five boroughs, correct. Which was girls. Um, My my guy, Cornell Hampton, told me, come on in, take the class. McClancy High School took the class, passed the test, and you'll be able to work just the girl side of basketball. Mm-hmm. So I came in on the girl side of basketball maybe five or six years ago when I was able to have the flexibility to work PSAL games and get that extra money. Um, it wasn't until my guy, Antonio Brimmer, was like, yo, you're not tired of reffing these girls' basketball games? I was like, no. He's like, well... You're one of my league guys. You're reffing in all of these pro-am games. You're doing all of these guys. I could use you on the high school level. Why don't you come take the test for boys? I was like, okay. 
So I went to Brooklyn, Boy 37, where he's at, took the test, passed, and now I became an IABO official on the boy side of things. Mm. And that's been, it's my third year now. You would never believe that. I, I don't believe that. Never believe that. That's crazy. Um, so with all of your experience with um, now girls high school, boys high school, pro-am and all that, what game do you prefer? Um, do you like recreation games? Do you like summer league games better? Do you like AAU games? Do you like CYO? Do you like high school? Or do you like the fact that you have a mixture of both and that you have stories to tell on all fronts? I like the fact that I have a story to tell on all fronts. But if I had to choose, it would be summer basketball. Mm. Everybody's home from school. Everybody wants to team up with individuals to play against other boroughs. And uh, that's what makes the beauty of summer basketball great, to watch that these four guys want to go against these four guys. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm. This is why I love this whole New York, New York thing. Because you get to see the best of every borough going at each other mm. on any given night. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I just was leaving Hoops in the Sun and I saw Musa going in. And I shared a moment because every time I see him, right, whether it be Gersh or Lincoln, uh, Hoops in the Sun, even in a high school game. I remember I saw him at a double A city championship semifinal and he got called for three straight goaltendings. And then for some reason, I saw this uh, documentary. It was a 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East where um, Patrick Ewing, he was in a national championship against Villanova, and he had a mandate to block everything that he saw, whether it was in his sight or not. And he got like five consecutive goaltends. So I was asking him, yo, how many goaltends are you going to get tonight? And I was wondering if that, is that a smart decision? Or is that just a, a decision, like a smart decision in, in, in a sense of, are you goaltending to intimidate them? Or are you just trying to, you know, Maybe you're just doing it half um, half-heartedly, but I think he was doing it to intimidate people. But I just think it's beautiful. There's no other place in the country that you can get all these ball players in different venues and playing on different teams. You know, my, one kid could be from Bishop Lachlan, the other kid can fr- be from Construction. They're on the same team and they're going against the best team from Bishop Lachlan. I just think it's amazing. So, um, having said that. You know, you talked about John Colson, you talked about Antonio Bremer, and you also talked about Cornell. Discuss who your other mentors are in this game, what they've done for you in your career, and how do you think they've shaped the way you help people after you? Well, I will have to definitely say Terry Gilbert, him being a mentor and doing a pro-am class and getting you prepared. I will definitely have to say Earl Robinson as being a mentor and getting you prepared. I have to say Heather um, I have to say Antonio Bremer. Um, I have to say Will Mensah, um, Ralph Perez. All of these guys that were already on that level doing it and uh, willing to take you in under the umbrella and willing to show you the right way and willing to guide you and lead you. Um, the Pro-Am class was probably a big addition uh, to my life. When did you take that? I want to say 2010, 2011, I took the class twice, and I didn't work. What I did was when I took the class, I went to each venue because I wanted to make sure that I was comfortable enough Mm. to work these venues with the attitudes of the players 
during that time. Because when you're going from CYO and AAU ball to rec league to this adult pro-am league, Mm -hmm. it's a bigger stage and it's a different type of basketball. Mm. And if you're not really prepared for that type of basketball, they're going to roast you out there. Oh, yeah. And some people don't know how to handle that. Mm. You may cry. You may just walk away. And that's a difference. So I took the class for two years. And I went to all of these venues for two years. And back then, it was Kingdom was one of the biggest venues then. I was going to every Kingdom game, every EBC game, every Soul in the Hole game, just watching how the referees, what calls they was really making, you know, how they was positioning themselves, you know, who was assigning what tournaments, what were the big major tournaments. Was I ready to make an impact with my first game on a real big major tournament? Or was I ready to go to a small tournament first and then work my way up? Mm. And I find that interesting because, you know, we did a Pro-Am League. We had separate assignments, but I ran into you. And, you know, I just find it interesting that your come up was more so kids and, um, you know, more high school summer ball where my come up was adults for three years. So I was already built for Pro-Am. I'm still not certified. We got to talk off here because I got to connect with Terry. I got to take that class to start doing all of those venues. But, you know, I just find it interesting that everyone has a different story and how they just kind of lead up to the conclusion. And then the cream rises to the top where, you know, we end up talking to each other anyway, even though you came up from one side and I came up from one side and then we kind of meet in the middle. Um, So, you know, I know we talked off air about you starting to get into a signing and that probably takes a lot of your load. And now, you know, that's probably taking more, the majority, the chunk of your time um, as opposed to refing. So how did you get into that? And what are the challenges that it presents to you um, as well as trying to fit that in with officiating concurrently? Well, one of my mentors, uh, Robinson, decided he was going to send me up to Tri-State Classic, one of the biggest streetball tournaments still going to this day. Um, He sent me up there to work a couple of games. I worked a couple of games, and I was invited back every day that week to come and work for the remainder of that time. And then me and Mousy developed and built a good relationship. And uh, as it went into the fall, um, he asked me, hey, how do you feel about working my tournament for the fall? So it started out as just me working his tournament and bringing a referee with me. So if anybody that you know that referee, they will tell you, I work tri-state every day for almost 300 days out of the year. So I worked every day, whether I was bringing a U or a Desmond or a Warren Davis to the game with me, and uh, I made tri-state my home. And through that, me and Mousy's relationship became more like a, a brother type of hood. Um, and then I, I got to the point where I was like, I don't need to be there every day. I could just say, hey, you and you go cover this game, six, seven, and eight. And then from that, it led into an, a gentleman calling me saying, hey, I have a tournament on 140th Street, St. Nicholas Avenue. You know, I heard that you were signing Tri-State. Do you think that we can meet? We come down, we meet, and it goes on from there. And then 
word of mouth starts to travel and then people start to say, well, hey, I want you to come do this. And your friends will start doing a tournament now and say, hey, Reef, I want you to assign my tournament. And now I'm at seven or eight tournaments for the summer. Mm. So I just realized from what you said is that um, I think one of the biggest attributes to be an assigner is to kind of be a referee that knows everything. And what I mean by that is that the fact that you do CYO, the fact that you do PSAO girls, the fact that you do PSAO boys, the fact that you do um, AU, summer tournaments, pro-am, you can realize that if somebody hits you up and says, I got a tournament on 140 in St. Nick, you can eyeball a referee and say, he's ready for this, 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 and he definitely can't do this, and he definitely, definitely can't do this, and you can eyeball that within a second. Do you think that's one of those things that you can get from just refereeing all of these things and that helps you inform who is ready and who's not ready? Because I'm pretty sure that there's not really a system where you write on a piece of paper like, okay, this person can go here, but he can't go there. That's kind of like a snap decision. It is a snap decision, but you got to work a lot of tournaments and you got to work a lot of games and you got to be around a lot of referees to know who can handle what type of an environment and what level of basketball that you can send them to, to mm. officiate. But there are days where you need a body and you have to send a rookie to do a game that is way above his head. Mm. But that's, that's, that's the, the nature of the beast. Mass. Do you have a dialogue that's different for that particular game? And you tell him, you say, listen, I know that you're just learning how to swim, but the surfboard is going to be a little shorter and the waves are going to be a little bit higher. So just be prepared that when this wave comes, you may crash but you have to get up and still continue to swim and surf. For me, no. I feel like I'm probably one of the best guys out here that's going to give a young guy the opportunity and a chance to go out there and make a mistake. Don't be scared to make a mistake. Mm. Move on from the mistake. Learn from the mistake, but still learn your craft while you're doing this. Because this one game that may be over his head could be the one game that's going to be an impact on his life decisions refereeing going forward. Mm. He might feel like, yo, this game was so out of my head, but I didn't quit. I didn't give up. Mm. Now I want to get better at it. I want to I wanna know how can I be on that level of refereeing basketball mm. to that magnitude now. So I feel like because I give these guys a chance – I'm hoping and that's driving their ambition mm. to want to reach that type of level of basketball to want to officiate. Maybe it don't. Mm. Maybe you might say, hey, I tried it. It's not for me. I just want to be an 8U, 9U, 10U, and 11U referee. You want to see life. where their heart is. Right. Mm. So let's say out of 100 people that you've put in that in that fire, do you think – Percentage-wise, you've been successful at that philosophy? I think I've been successful at that philosophy because I've always had them work with a veteran. Mm. So when you're working with a veteran, he's always going to see where you're lacking at, what you're doing wrong, and he's going to coach you at every time out, at the end of every quarter. So hopefully that coaching that that veteran is giving you, you're implying that instantly to your second quarter or to your third quarter or to your after timeout. 
hopefully that those conversations calm your nerves down mm. a little bit, make you feel a little bit more comfortable with just going out there and making the right call. Mm. So now it's probably almost like 150 days before the real season starts in high school. Do you have any specific goals that you want to reach in terms of the upcoming high school school season? As my guy Jalil will always say, just stay sharp. You know what I mean? That's 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 what you always go is just to stay sharp, just to stay focused. You know, continue reading your book. Always try to be in the right position to be able to make the right call. There's always going to be times where you're not going to be in the right position to make the right call. But that's always your goal is to stay sharp, read your book and be in the right position to be able to make the right call. Mm. You mentioned earlier that you do officiate other sports. Um, just talk about how you got into those other sports. What was your second sport that you got into? My second sport that I got into was lacrosse. So, girls or boys? Girls. I got my buddy. We all know Damian Shaw. Um, you know, me and Damian Shaw used to play rec ball together. Uh, we party all the time. And I seen him. He was like, "Yo, what you doing?" I said, "Yo, I'm officiating sports. I'm doing X, Y, D." He was like, "For real? I'm doing it too." I was like, "Yeah, what?" Like, yeah. He said, "Yo, what you doing?" I said. I'm just doing basketball. He's like, nah, you got to do all this other stuff. So Damien Shaw brought me into lacrosse. From lacrosse, I was like, oh, okay. There's more sports that I could try. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Volleyball. After that, you're going baseball. After that, he's like, what's next? Oh, now they talking soccer? Oh, all right. Let's go to Damien do all that? Damien does it all. Damien does it all. See, I didn't know that about him. All I know is that me and him are the same. We, we are a black man stuck in the Asian man's body. Yes, <laughs> man. He does it all. And I'm, I'm very thankful for him for that. Because he didn't really have to say, yo, you need to do. He didn't have to point me in the avenue and mm. guide me in direction. And I'm very appreciative for that. Do you want to elevate in any of those other sports? Nah. So, you know, to be honest with you, I have a career job. Um, you know, I'm a family-orientated guy. My family come first. Um, officiating sports has now just become a good supplement income to help my uh, family. Um, I passed the age where I needed to go to camp to try to move up to the next level. I felt like I'm, I'm past that point and past that time and career in my life. I just want to continue to do my job, come home and provide my family, and use the referee as a supplement income to Support my family. Mm. Okay, so after everything that you said, um, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are in this moment in time as an official? Time, effort, dedication, communication. And you have to want to watch a lot of basketball. I, and I tell these guys that's coming up. When you're home and you're watching College basketball, the NBA, don't watch the game. Watch the officials. Mm. When you watch the officials, that helps you a lot. Better positioning. That helps you with better call playing. That helps you with movement. Everything that you need to do. So, for me, it's always about communication. Meeting new people. Talking to people. Seeing what type of calls and games that they had. You know, because that helps you a long way down the line. Mm. Having said that, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go in officiating as well as signing? Well, ultimately, I want to continue to officiate all of my sports. I, I love what I do. Um, 
my signing is a, is another level that I, I'm I'm just learning as a new guy being a signing. Um, I came up fast as one of the new guys being a signing. Um, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. But I think what fuels me and keeps me going is that I always remember that I'm a referee first and I'm going to sign a second. And every excuse that you're going to give me, I don't probably done gave or heard already. And that's the nature where you like, come on. I used that real. before. Yeah. <laughs> that one wasn't so, a good one that I used. Right. So now that I'm I'm on that end of it, I, I really get to see it. Yeah. So, you know, the challenges that you face is learning that you have to separate refereeing and you have to separate a sign and then realizing that you still have to do this business. You still have to conduct this business and this tournament still has to run regardless if he's showing up or not. Mm. Mm. And in terms of refereeing, you just want to keep doing what you're doing? I just want to keep doing what I want to do. I know I'm looking forward to taking the soccer class, learning about that and adding that to my catalog just continue to be the best official that I could be. Cool, man. Um, can you describe the most stickiest situation that you've ever been playing? This most stickiest situation that you've ever had as an official and your stickiest situation that you've ever had as an assigner? Stickiest situation I've have been in playing. Mm. To main account? I don't know. I, I would say family day growing up in the neighborhood. You had your A team, your B team. Y'all playing against each other. And, uh, you know, the game is on the line. And you got to take the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure you pass the ball to the right person. So that would probably be my stickiest situation to be the guy to take the ball out of bounds and you passing it to the right place. Mm. How about as an official? As an official. Do you have something that stands out that everyone was just completely outraged? Everybody's always going to stand out. Most recent, I was in a GOAT league. It was a two-point game, three seconds on the clock, and the guy got hit shooting on, on the three-point try, and I had to make that foul call. Mm. It was the right call, but sometimes you just don't want to be in that situation where you have to make that call to decide the game right. that way. Defense went crazy. Crazy. He hits he all hits, the shots. He hits all the shots. Game. They win over. the game. Were they yelling? You yelling, the screaming, carrying on. Did you have another game in four minutes after that? Yeah, another game four minutes. That's after good. That. <laughs> At least it wasn't the last game where they were dragging it on. How about the most sticky situation that you ever been in a signing? Every day. <laughs> Saturday that just passed. I gave two referees assignment to go to Elmcore to work, a 9, 10, and 11 o'clock game. I get two phone calls, 8.33 and 8.37. My car broke down. I'm not going to be able to make the game. And, hey, my wife said we got something to do, so I can't make the game. That's hurtful. I don't find that acceptable as a referee in general. Like, if you commit to the game and it's 30 minutes, as much as I don't want to go, I'm going, man. What'd you, have, what'd you do? I called my 20 reliable, sourceful people 
I was able to get one guy, which is my guy, Tiger. He was able to get over there. And um, I alternated myself from what I was doing. And I had another guy come cover me at a later time to mm-hmm. work. And I went over there and worked. All right. You got it done. Are those guys going to be working for you again? They will be working for me again. But, you know, they got to build themselves back up. Mm. They got to build their credit back. Um Having said that, what is your best moment thus far in officiating? And what is your best moment so far in assigning? Best moment in officiating. New York versus New York. Tri-State. Gersh playing Tri-State. Watching these kids really battle and go at it. Mm. It's a beautiful thing this summer. Best moment. It's a good game. Yeah, it's, it's been on fire this year for sure. I think this might have been the best summer ever. I think so too. Yeah. Um, and what's your what's your best moment in assigning so far? Best moment in signing so far. I just got a new referee. He's about seven foot seven. Wow. Is his name a new bowl? <laughs> no. No. Um, he was referred to me. I went out and I gave him a shot. And everybody calls me back to say, yo, where did you find this tall guy from? Where? Where did you find him? It's probably my best moment. So That's far. really cool. Yo, this has been great, man. Um, you had a lot of wealth of information. Uh, hopefully a lot of people can learn from this. Uh, that concludes everything. Do you have any final words you want to say before we part ways? To all the new and up-and-coming officials, don't be scared. You see a referee and you want to know how to get in, just ask him questions. Um, he would definitely guide you and lead you in the right direction. And don't be surprised if you're in the New York State area and you see Nairif uh, at a gym at 9 o'clock and then you see him at another gym uh, at 9 p.m. That that could be very possible because I think that's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but for uh, Ralph the Ref, Nairif George, this is The Rant. We're signing out. Peace.